Hi, and welcome to Hack the Net, where every week we provide the internet with the life hacks they demand. I'm Matt Heron. I'm Jeff. I'm Louisa Heron. I've got my arms up for a better lung capacity. I think I've said that before, but it's always true. Are you going to keep them up the whole time? Uh, No. Like you just don't care? Yes. Have you already put your arms down? No! Okay. Okay. We'll see how long this goes. I'll report back. I'm not sure I believe you. What if you were to hold a beach ball over your head and, like, just keep bouncing it? Would that keep you occupied enough to uh, to keep your he- arms up over your head? Mm, maybe. Mm. I'd have to do more research. I need to get a beach ball, I guess. Mm-hmm. I guess that's my next step. What if you held a small sack of dried beans in each hand? Mm. Ooh, and what if you had a chicken in your lap and a fox <laughs> at your feet? Yeah, you're trying to keep the beans away from the flightless bird and the whatever a fox is type of guy. <laughs> a vulpine what? creature, yeah, I guess. Yeah, it's somewhere halfway between cat and dog. Yes. <laughs> oh, I put my arms down. Sorry, guys. Oh, oh no. no. The podcast Show is gonna over. suck now. Yep. Yeah. With your limited, your reduced lung capacity. <laughs> yeah, I already feel the energy draining out of my body. Oh, that's the oxygen. You're gonna suffocate. You know that scene, I don't know if this is what Jeff was referencing earlier, but you know that scene in Legend of the Drunken Master where he has to fill up a bucket of water at his feet using a an egg cup? Do you know what I'm talking about? I do not. I haven't seen that movie and I wasn't referencing oh. it. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> there's a part in Legend of the Drunken Master where he is tied upside down to a pole and there's a bucket sitting on top of the pole and then there's a bucket of water like at the bottom of the pole and he has an egg cup and he has to dip the egg cup into the water and then like do an inverted sit up basically to pour it into the bucket at the top and he's not allowed down until he fills up the the bucket at the top you think that would work you think that would be a good exercise i hate when that happens to me the bucket at the top, he die? has to balance that bucket full of water as well as he fills it? No. no I mean, it's worked. a fairly wide post that he's tied to. I don't think that there's much danger of the bucket tipping. Oh, okay. Maybe then. I mean, I couldn't do it, but could someone do it? Maybe. I mean, yeah, Jackie Chan did it. <laughs> yeah, well, I, no, this is the original the with some guy who I don't know who it is. Oh, oh wait, is that Jackie? No, it's, um, what's his face? Is it Bruce Lee? No, Jack- it might be Bruce Jackie Lee. Chan is in Legend of Drunken Master, isn't he? He's in the like the nineties uh no, he's, reboot. There's like a seventies one. Yeah. 19, I don't think he's in that 1978, one. 1978, Drunken Master. Jackie is, Chan. Is Jackie Chan in it? Yeah. He's way older than you think is the thing about Jackie yeah. Chan. Huh. I because I've seen the one the other one that he, I've seen both of them. Is there another and, one? Oh, Drunken Master Two is in nineteen ninety four. Yes. And that one I've also seen. And that one kicks ass. The first one's like a little too 70s for my taste, mm. um, but the second one is fantastic. I haven't really seen much of Jackie Chan's, like, Hong Kong action movie stuff. That's the only good stuff he did, I think. I don't like his latter-day American comedy film star stuff. <laughs> Neither does he. Yeah, uh, but his his early stuff is incredible he is a true uh like master treasure yes there was (laughs) there was a movie uh oh yeah it was a a remake movie called the foreigner uh i think it was a remake anyway it's based on a book that has a less savory name uh to describe a chinese man 
mm-hmm. uh, but it's all one word. Um, anyway, it was adapted into a 2017 uh, thriller, like a John Wick-style thriller, where Jackie Chan is getting revenge on the IRA for killing his daughter, and it what? rocks. It whips ass. <laughs> Wait, which IRA? The Irish Republican Army. Weird. Yeah. At least it's, at least he's not coming for my retirement account, you guys. <laughs> the accountant. That's what that was about. Yeah, Ooh, that would be good. Pierce Brosnan is this, like, IRA-associated politician, and Jackie Chan's like, I don't know who you are. I don't could know you, what you want, but I have a very specific set of skills. Could you pull a like a sucker punch where they were replaced all of the sex scenes with action scenes? Could you do something where it's like every time that they do an audit, it's just a kung fu fight, like represented by a kung fu? That fight? was everything, everywhere, all at once, wasn't it? Oh, kind of. <laughs> yeah, get him. I Pretty thought you said the opposite, where you cut the budget by not having any fight sequences. It's all paper audits. <laughs> oh. I mean, th- at that point, why is Jackie Chan cast as the accountant? Because it's funny! <laughs> I'm, man. I do like the idea of Jackie Chan being in a movie and somebody being like, absolutely no action scenes. <laughs> I'm looking at the, uh, I was like looking at the Wikipedia page to make sure I had the like basic facts about the movie right. And I'm getting nostalgic about 2017 movies in like the, mm-hmm. the movie pass era when I could just go see every movie and they put anything in theaters. Mm-hmm. Movie pass is back. Do you not have movie pass again? Because I see people talk about it. <laughs> movie pass is back, but uh, I have the, magic the is gone? Okay. I have the AMC subscription, which seems more reliable because it's by the movie theater, and I can go see movies in IMAX without having to pay any extra. And it's financed by Reddit finance bros who uh, mm-hmm. keep on pouring money into AMC for some reason. Mm-hmm. Exactly. <clears throat> Great. Uh, I got a free soda out of that because AMC <laughs> started an Investor Connect program for when they were oh. a meme stock, and I joined it even though I no longer hold any shares. And sometimes they're like, "Here's a soda that you nice. can redeem in the app." Very That's nice. Good. Yeah. So, That's the kind of dividends I'm looking exactly. for. <laughs> <clears throat> Not really. I actually want money. <laughs> <laughs> Same. Uh, anyway, my movie recommendation for the week is Martin Campbell's *The Foreigner*. Oh, okay. I know. Is this I know what you did this week. No, kind of deal? <laughs> this is what I did oh. uh, six years ago. <laughs> okay. So, oh, what did it? you okay. do this week then? Uh, Jeff? What I, yeah. uh, well, what, I won't talk about what I actually did this week, which was just play Tears of the Kingdom nonstop uh, every yeah, day because it leaked early. I am now. I am now from this point on putting my foot down that I don't want to hear anything about Tears of the Kingdom from you at all for the next week. Yeah, I know. I I'm not going to tell you. I'm not even going to tell you if I'm enjoying playing it. Just good. I wanted to put it out there that I have been playing it and I won't be talking about it until it is released for everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, instead, another highly anticipated sequel I experienced this week. Hylian. <laughs> another Hylian. And well. <laughs> This one's high, so high you could say it's out of this world. Guardians of the Galaxy three. Oh yes. Uh, is it good I, because it looks terrible? It's Go on. so much better than the I've second one. Watched oh, okay. okay. I've watched the trailer for the third one, and I cannot remember if I've seen the second movie or not. The second one has uh, Kurt Russell in it. Yeah, I did see that. I have yeah, like, no you, you memory see it of because it. Yeah. You just all you remember is that the song "Brandy, You're a Fine Girl" has yes. a surprisingly important plot role. <laughs> yeah, that right. that wow. Okay, 
that one is like, okay, James Gunn, you could just like call your dad. You don't have to make a two and a half hour a superhero movie about it. Oh, here's what Counterpoint, I'm sick of every media property being about the writer re- reconciling with their emotionally distant dad. I want, I like that this one is instead fuck up your emotionally distant dad because fuck that guy. Uh, yeah, I here's- guess so. But like he does first, the like main action star of the movie goes and hangs out on a planet for like three quarters of the movie just being like, hey, what's up, dad? Let's play baseball. But then that's where you need the big reveal. You need to have him find out that his dad's not. Here's where I got confused. I realized the trailer for the third movie has Star-Lord catching you up by saying that he fell in love with a girl and now she doesn't remember him. She died. Now she doesn't remember him. I remember her dying in the Avengers movie. I don't know at what movie I should have seen for her to come back in, though. So in that was in Endgame. Um, Endgame. I don't remember her coming back. Shit. Okay. Uh, she yeah. doesn't. It's rem- there's she a time co- hole open from the past, and 2014 Thanos comes into the present. And yeah, she comes with yeah. that Thanos, mm-hmm. and then is convinced to be a good person again. Ha! This yeah, is she- all foreign to me, even though I've seen the movie. She was already thinking of betraying him uh, at that time, because it's like right before Guardians of the Galaxy takes place version of her. Uh, So she survives when when they snap Thanos and all of his followers out of existence. Okay, so the trailer for Guardians 3 really made me feel like I missed something, but I guess I didn't. I just forgot it. Yeah, I do think that it's it's extra confusing because a lot of that trailer hinted at stuff that wasn't covered in any of the Guardians of the Galaxy movies, or even the Avengers movies. Like, at the end of the Avengers Endgame, you are, like, Thor joins the Guardians of the Galaxy, and I I get that uh, you couldn't have a movie where Thor is just in with the Guardians of the Galaxy, but um, I keep on thinking, like, haven't I already seen the third Guardians of the Galaxy? Because I've seen the beginning of the most recent Thor movie (laughs) where he is fighting with the Guardians of the Galaxy. Like, the cold open is the end of his off-screen adventures with the Guardians of the Galaxy. Exactly. Crazy. Oh man, that that one was kind of disappointing, huh? Thor 4? The 4? I'm glad I didn't bother to see it in theaters, because it wasn't the best, but I didn't think it was that bad. Um, I I liked Korg having a baby with his husband at the end. That was cute. Uh, Anyway, Guardians of the Galaxy 3 is very good. It's James Gunn's basically goodbye to the Marvel Cinematic Universe as he goes on to uh, make movies for for warner bros for their dc comics line he's writing and directing the next superman movie Um, you would think there are only five people in hollywood the way the uh (laughs) superhero franchises just move people back and forth yeah yep in fairness the suicide squad was pretty pretty good Okay. It was good in a james gunny kind of way it it recaptured that like that more Guardians of the Galaxy, the first one kind of feel that I felt like the second one had lost. Yeah. Um, of like, these are these are people who do bad things because they're driven to desperate circumstances and they're kind of stuck in their own lives. But like, when it comes to innocent people will die if you don't do something, they're going to do something, which is like, okay, that is it. That's like, an interesting realm to explore, especially mm-hmm. when you go even further and make them, like, even more 
despicable and like give it an R rating. So then like it gets pretty like that movie gets a lot more brutal than Guardians could really. Mm-hmm. Um, like we hear Star Lord's a criminal, but like we don't really see we don't even see him do anything as bad as like Han Solo shooting Greedo. Yeah. Right. I thought he was just a thief, which is the uh, morally correct kind of criminal for me. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Um, I do feel like the biggest fault of the Guardians of the Galaxy series has been that they think that David Batista is funny. Yeah. And they really leaned into that style of humor, which is to say, like, isn't it funny how not funny this person is? And I hate that so much. It's weird. Uh, this is gonna sound weird i've liked him more in dramatic roles (laughs) Uh, i did not like him in glass onion really i need to see that new dune i liked i he i didn't consider his glass onion role dramatic i think that was like pretty spot on like comedic casting for that type of character (laughs) i didn't think he was good though i guess what i'm getting at (laughs) i I didn't like him in it yeah Uh, i liked him in blade runner 2049 (laughs) hmm I haven't seen that. It's, it's, honestly, you think, well, they made a sequel to Blade Runner. That's probably not good. You'd be wrong. It's pretty good. Hmm. I can't remember if I've seen the original Blade Runner or if I've just heard enough about it that I know everything that happens. It is the type of movie that you should watch when you would like to watch something that is more of a tone piece and like a moody two hours because every frame of it could hang in a museum as a perfect, yeah. beautiful work of art. Yeah, but it's yeah, so yeah. boring. It's so boring. <laughs> I like all the memes of um, Ryan Gosling looking totally fucked up and then Anna de Armas looking like a perfect robot. Yeah. That's very funny. I um I did read the book. So between I've read the book and I've heard every plot point. So I've kind of gotten all of the worst parts of that movie already <laughs> and none of the good parts, which is to say the visuals, right? Yeah, I think so. Um <clears throat> I mean like the story's fine. It's just, you know. The book is good. I mean, I like Philip K Dick and I think that that one specifically is maybe his best. I think Blade Runner kind of set off that era of movies where, like, Blade Runner is sort of like a highfalutin movie, but then you get stuff like Total Recall and RoboCop, where it's like, we've got this philosophical question, but that's just kind of set dressing for all of these wicked cool practical effects where there's blood exploding out of people's eyeballs and a bunch of boobs. Yeah, Total Recall is... is you have to respect how little it cares about the deep existential problems that are raised by it. I, I, I like that. I think that makes a dumb action movie feel more cohesive and whole. That, that was actually part of what I liked about the recent D and D movie is Mm. because the forgotten realms has 30, 40 years of like, lore behind it but the movie doesn't really get into it but it does Mm -hmm. have to stay on brand because it's a hasbro production Mm -hmm. um it felt like it took place in an internally consistent and like well thought out world because it did yeah yeah it's it's interesting though because i mean i haven't seen it yet i'm excited to but um i do feel like a lot of very good things do happen where like a lot of stories that are the best are done 
in a world where there is a backdrop of a consistent world. In a world. Um, and, Sarah. like, yes. And, uh, why do you do this to me? <laughs> Sorry, I had to. <laughs> I'm trying to make a point and you trip me up so bad in the middle of what I'm saying. In a um, consistent world. Yes, and it's interesting because the D&D movie is one of the few ex- instances where you could go and find out the rest of that world, like, the canonical backstory of it. Mm-hmm. Whereas I feel like a lot of things that try to use that immersive, this is a real world and you're just seeing a slice of it way of storytelling, the other stuff that's going on is just hinted at and you, the reader or whatever, can never find out about it. Yeah. Unless but you then... watch an animated series much later. Yeah, then yeah, like, George like, Lucas is like, Clone Wars, that exactly. was a good throw. Yeah, then like. HBO's like, but what if we made four more Game of Thrones things that explain all of that? Uh, uh, so is this Guardians movie sad? Because I've heard it's sad and a little upsetting if you do not handle animal trauma well. Uh, it is definitely a trauma jam in that, much like the other films, it is about this group of people who are processing their grief and the horrible things that have happened to them in ways that are not fully healthy, but are still progress. Um, Like, it's interesting because I would say the last maybe quarter of the movie feels like a victory lap almost. Um, It definitely feels like high stakes and sad and like these characters are really like really being pushed emotionally and like the emotional core is really strong um i would not say that it is oppressively sad i would say if you do not like to um watch cgi animals being horribly tortured uh don't (laughs) watch it uh it's not like overtly gruesome but like we see Rocket's entire origin from the point where he is, like, pulled out of a cage full of raccoons to the point where he escapes to become his own person. <laughs> and, like, we've already seen when he is, like, getting his prison uniform in the first one that he has all those, like, really brutal-looking, like, plugs on his back. Yeah. Uh, we don't, like, we're not seeing the scalpel go in, but, like, we're hearing a... Uh, a baby raccoon like make noises while a bunch of like sound effects indicate that he is being cut up with like saws and stuff. Yeah, even the trailer had moments in it. I was like, oh man, I don't think uh, I was. The main see this thing movie. is the trailer had him with an otter friend, and I don't that I don't like that. I don't want that. Yeah, that's weird. Uh, <clears throat> well, I think all... we probably can figure out what happens <laughs> to that otter friend, huh? All of the flashbacks have other animal friends, and all of their modifications are way more, like, Sid's Toys and Toy Story-style gruesome, which is not great when they're animals instead of plastic doll heads. Yeah. Um, But I think that it really sells the the brutality of the villain, who feels... Mm. He feels really evil in a way that I think Marvel villains don't often get to. That's good. Um, He's not as cartoonishly over the top as Ronan the Accuser, who I liked. Other people didn't like that villain from the first Guardians. I thought he was... Lee Pace is such a gem, though. Yeah. You have to be on board with him being so, like, chewing the scenery. Exactly. He's cutting big slabs of steak off the bone and just, like, hucking them at you. Yeah. Uh, 
Is that a thing? Is that a phrase that everyone has ever used before? I meant to say ham instead of steak, like oh, big okay. ham, ham steaks. Yeah, now I get it. He's cutting big ham steaks off the bone and flinging them at the audience. Nice. There we um, go. Like, just the, but, you know, he's a cartoon space racist who literally, like, paints himself with the blood of the aliens that he dislikes. Uh, yep. This high evolutionary is just, like, a dude who thinks living creatures are foul and disgusting and wants to Correct. make them good instead by this torturing is the villain them. or the hero he's he's the, uh, villain. the torturing part yeah. i'm not on board with uh i mean his like motivation throughout the film is like hey i saw that uh walk and talking raccoon on the news that's one of mine Mm-hmm. Oh boy. I heard you liked a raccoon, so we put a raccoon inside your raccoon so you could raccoon and you raccoon. Uh, I'm interested to see how uh, podcaster Elliot Kalen feels about this because it features mm-hmm. one of his favorite characters, Adam Warlock, being yes. essentially a, a sort of dumb meatball. <laughs> uh, he's... He kind of is a dumb meatball anyway. I mean, I know he's supposed to be the most intelligent being in the universe or whatever, but... <laughs> He's like the biggest Mary Sue in the whole Marvel universe. They kind of play with that a little. He's got like <laughs> Superman level strength, but he's like a petulant child. Mm. Um, and yeah, this I don't is know. A, it's this is a, a window into how Tim Gunn is going to do Superman later. Not I mean, Tim Gunn. Be, that would be like... great if Tim Gunn was doing Superman. <laughs> oh, sorry. Oh my yes. God, this God is damn. incredible. <laughs> Holy cow. <laughs> Uh, Who's gonna be Superman, by the way? Just they haven't say. announced any casting. Damn it! Okay. Just the title and then writer and director. Is this the one that the script was written by Ten- Tennessee Coates? No, I think James Gunn has written it himself. It might be based on, uh, might be based on a like comic storyline or something. I know some of the stuff they announced was like, <clears throat> and this is an adaptation of this specific comic. Hmm. Um, the Supergirl movie they announced is based on like a recent miniseries, for example. Um, hmm. Other than that, are they going to have that girl from Glee as Supergirl? They need Melissa to really start. Benist? Yeah, was she they from really Glee? Just... Yeah, huh. yeah. That's why they had all those singing episodes. Oh, right. <laughs> with her I Grant forgot Gustin. Grant Gustin yeah. was also from Glee. I stopped watching <clears throat> Glee before either of them was on Glee. Hmm. Um, I've never seen a second of Glee, but because I like the DC TV series, I know every actor that was ever on Glee. <laughs> I um, there's already a different Supergirl in the Flash movie coming up. I don't. I think that they're just gonna like fully re like anybody who hasn't. I guess maybe if this Flash movie does well, they'll use that actor again. Like they're they're gonna keep Jason Momoa around as Aquaman and uh, Wonder Wonder Woman sticking around. <laughs> I kind of wish it was a hard reboot because Jason Momoa as Aquaman is fun, but he really should be playing Lobo. Uh, yeah, I remember you've said this before. <laughs> I mean, Lobo is such a, like, one-joke character that I really don't want him to ever show up in the DC movie. He doesn't need to be, like, the lead. Well, then you can't cast Jason Momoa as him! Yeah, you can. He plays Aqua- Like, he first plays Aquaman as a backup role in Justice League and, like, a cameo in Batman v Superman. Yeah, but you're not gonna spend Jason Momoa money to have the, like, farting- Superman one scene villain in in one part of a Superman movie. No, I don't I I think that like maybe uh 
maybe have him in in like a Suicide Squad in space type movie mm. as like in an ensemble in an ensemble piece he could work. Uh, I mean, he didn't it didn't work great in the Justice League. <laughs> yeah, but that episode was great. <laughs> no, no, sorry, the movie The Justice League. Oh, I see. Jason Momoa as Aquaman was the only interesting part, I think, maybe of that movie. Oh, that's yeah. That's just because that man is charming. Yes, uh, exactly. God, now I'm thinking about Zack Snyder's films getting sad. Anyway, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. Pretty good. I liked it a lot better than the second one, even though the second one had Ego the Living Planet, one of the funnest space characters. This third one has a bunch of other fun space characters. I would say if you're already planning on seeing it and haven't seen the trailers, don't see the trailers. They show too many things from too... Like, I always have that thing when I'm sitting down watching a movie where I'm like, that one prominent shot from the trailer hasn't yeah. happened yet, so I know this I character that. is safe until then. Yeah. Um, or like... But sometimes they don't show shots from the trailer in the movie, and that should be a crime punishable by death. I kinda, haven't gone to court over that, you know. <laughs> I kind of like that, what, like, as a as a uh, sort of trick in, like, Avengers Infinity War. They, like, put Hulk in it in, in mm-hmm. a scene that he's not in. Like, that's fun. <laughs> but other, like, I if would... it's just, like, paranormal activity, they shoot basically whole different scenes that aren't in the movie that are all in the trailer only yes i would love in a like clue the movie style comedy for the trailer to include the death of every character that's fun (laughs) like yeah you see every single character die so you don't know which is real and which isn't that would be a good uh way to sell a movie to me personally good Uh anyway um guardians galaxy 3 what'd you do louisa uh, I was going to ask a question before you finished up on Guardians Ooh, of the yeah, Galaxy. Oh, yeah, go for it. I do. I remember it. Is this the last of the Guardians of the Galaxy movies? Do they know that? And if they do, did they end it? Uh, they do provide a definitive ending to this group okay. of characters that came together to form a team in the first movie and added some people in the second. Um, so it's like a full, like complete trilogy for these yes. Guardians. Okay. I would say it, it like... It leaves uh, sort of dangling threads that other storytellers could pick up, but not in such a way that it feels incomplete, more in such a way that, like, the next phase of these characters' lives is open for someone else to develop. That's pretty good. Yeah, I Uh, was really sad. We usually don't get a conclusion like that, although I hope it's not like an Iron Man 3-style conclusion where (laughs) just in the next one, he's Iron Man again, no explanation, he blew up all his suits. I swear, from now on, I will never be Iron Man again. (laughs) See me as Iron Man in the next movie. Yeah, he took his Iron Man, like, hole out of his chest and blew up all his Iron Man costumes and was like, I'm done being Iron Man, and then he's Iron Man again. Mm -hmm. What the hell? Yeah. But I, I don't think that they'll do that with this one, considering the fact that they, like, did actually wait for James... Like, they did wait for James Gunn to be done making a DC mm-hmm. movie to, like, bring him back for this after uh, accidentally being tricked by conservatives into firing him. Yeah. Um, but... That's good. Yeah, it really feels, you know, it feels conclusive. It made me smile. I like the characters. Karen Gillan does a bad job. Yeah, even in the trailer, her accent seems way worse. Like, I don't know yes. what she's trying to do, but... She's doing like a... Wrong. She's doing... I'm looking. I'm a deep yeah. robot voice lady now. Like, but that's it's, not what she sounded like before. Yeah. Yeah, she used to be just, like, cold, but yeah. not 
she's like a pantomime villain now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I like I like Nebula all right, but um, oh, and to to Matt's concern, um, they find a role for like characters in the movie argue about why Drax is there because he just seems to be an idiot who messes stuff up. Yes. And they do find a like justification for him that feels wholesome and nice. Uh, right. Like like oh, this is actually the thing that you're like meant to do with your life, not the thing that we've been trying to make you do. I think okay. yeah, well, uh, maybe they will recover it then because I feel like they had a decent uh Drax inclusion in the first one. Where he was an idiot and he was, like, there as the joke being how he is incapable of being funny or interacting with people. But he seemed to genuinely care about getting revenge for his dead family. And I'm like, yeah, okay. Like, he's not trying to be funny. He's there to do a specific thing. Yeah. But now it's just like, oh, we don't we didn't write a, a joke for this scene. Let's have Drax standing in the background picking his nose or whatever. Like, what are you doing? Yeah. yeah. Uh they they kind of they they more I guess they like justify the comedic turn more than like change him back into the grim dark version. Mm. Um Okay. Cuz anyway. that was the joke, right? The original joke of him being grim dark with all the other characters not being that way. That is a joke. Yeah, the joke is, like, the initial, I wish they had really stuck with the initial joke of he doesn't understand figurative language. Right. Because he immediately does. Right. People like, love right, to write that as a character trope and then immediately forget it. Right after mm-hmm. that scene, there's a part where he calls nebula like a hooker or something yeah or and like he yeah. doesn't literally think that or gamora he doesn't literally yes. think that he knows she's an assassin yeah right so he's so, using yeah. figure, exactly. figurative language to insult her yeah uh yeah. like you could have had that exact same thing with some other character calling her a whore and then him being like no 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 yeah excuse me actually you'll find yeah. that yeah. she is an assassin she does not trade sexual favors for money like you gotta go full spock with it Right. Like, if the character was, oh, it's uh, it's Spock taken to an extreme, except he's a muscle-bound doofus and a badass, that's fun! <laughs> yeah. <sighs> Although that would require an actor being hired instead of whatever <laughs> David Batista is. I don't know, man. Arnold Schwarzenegger does a really good job as that robot, and all they- that is basically just like, hey, can you not emote and just say things <laughs> flatly? I think that is the ideal thing for, like, a big meathead role, is just, but, you have to say things flatly. Yes, but that's different than a Spock, right? That's like a- he's the straight man in a comedy, whereas I think what Spock does so interestingly is that Spock has- uh, a rich inner life he just doesn't have emotions on like worn on his sleeve and in order to get that that level of uh of character across you need to have somebody who is thoughtful about their performance instead of just you know yeah, a wrestler that's true uh side note i really love that like spock's stoicism is so accepted that like Star Trek Discovery was able to, like, retcon that he had an adopted human sibling that he just never mentioned. And then you think about it, and you're like, why would you never... Oh, it's Spock. Yeah, he probably wouldn't bring that up unless you asked him. That's true. That's pretty good. 
Well, in the original series, it wasn't until, like, the third season or whatever that he's like, my mom is human. I think they do mention it at the very beginning, but then it just doesn't come up, and it's not important. It, yeah. And then he's like, yeah, no, my mom is human, though. In the original pilot, he says, I have uh, human ancestry on my mother's side. Yeah. And, like, someone right. pointed out, like, do you mean your mom, Spock? Is that what you mean by ancestry? Your direct, actual human mother? <laughs> that's pretty good. Yes. Technically correct. The best kind of correct. Yes, that's mm-hmm. Spock's whole thing. Yep. Yep. Anyway, now let's yes. get on to whatever Louisa did. <laughs> well, I want to talk about, I saw the D&D movie, and I know Matt didn't see it, of course, so mm-hmm. I won't be giving any spoilers but i want to say this ties into uh some of the threads that we've been talking about so far today because i think this movie works so well because it's been around long enough that talented people in hollywood who could write such a movie grew up on this topic and loved it so Mm. much they wrote a great movie for it Uh and i think that might that might be true of the blade runner sequel considering how long it took to make the sequel and that is definitely true with james gunn and guardians so yeah it's yeah it's kind of nice like it's a shame that new ideas aren't allowed to be made into movies but it's kind of nice when people who love something get to make that thing yeah, it's the reason why I'm, like you were saying earlier about there's only five directors that are allowed to make movies anymore. Like, they they have struggled for so long at making a good, you know, Superman movie or a lot of good DC movies. And, like, there are talented writers out there who love this thing. Yeah. And if you gave them a chance to do it, they would do it right. But you don't want to hire them. You want to hire the people that you've seen write other movies that make a lot of money. Yeah. So I like that um, this was written by, it's a very strange story, and I don't know all the details, but a writing team, and one mm-hmm. of them is John Francis Daly, who was, a, who was an actor on Freaks and Geeks. He was the uh, very young psychiatrist on the TV show Bones. Um, mm-hmm. So it's kind of strange he's transitioned to writing and producing, but like he definitely has. He's successful at it now. Am I correct mm-hmm. that he's also the camp radio voice in Wet Hot American Summer and its sequels? Ooh, I'm not sure about that. I don't think he's the actor. I think he dubs over the child actor <laughs> as the voice of the radio. <laughs> That's possible? I know he's he's in with a lot of comedy people now. now oh, no, shoot. That's a different freaks and geeks guy he's the main one he's like the main uh geek yeah he he looked very young he still does he's i think he's in his 30s now but he still looks very young um but what's interesting is he at some point in his 20s started working with a writer who's like 45 or something and they found that their styles worked so well together that they are now a writing team so they wrote this movie together and it's Mm. so interesting to me to think that two writers a full generation apart could be like so, yeah. such good friends and work so well together but it's true they do it yeah they um, and i think they wrote and directed game night that like mystery movie <laughs> from a few years ago yeah i think that's true and what's great about this movie is they think about how things should be a D movie rather than just a fantasy movie because there are many moments where i knew how a generic fantasy movie should go from this point, and they did something different. And I was like, oh, mm. yeah. They actually thought about it. They gave it some character. Instead, they they roll a miss, and then the whole plot gets <laughs> fucked up. Well, 
as a DM, that is the thing that happens to me the most is like, okay, here's the, this just happened this past week. I had a final boss fight in my DM, in my uh, Dungeons and Dragons game. Mm -hmm. And it was so thematically appropriate. Jeff had stolen the sword from the main villain and was about to stab him. And it would have been perfect. It was, he had like four hit points left. Everything was perfect. And then Jeff rolled a, like a four yeah. to hit. Uh, oh, it's per- it's yeah. perfect. It adds that like, that action movie, like failing forward of like, things keep going wrong until you cross the finish line. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah. And see, that's kind of what I'm getting at. I feel like a movie where writers were hired who were just like, uh, what do people know about Dungeons and Dragons? What's the Cliff Notes version? They, people like that probably would have written a joke where somebody hits somebody with a sword and it doesn't do anything. And then someone else mm-hmm. makes a joke about like rolling a one somehow, but mm-hmm. it doesn't do any of that. It takes itself seriously and doesn't get bogged down in being serious at the same time i think that's something that hasbro has been trying to do with a lot of their products lately hasbro has been um, would be a really good insult <laughs> <It would be>. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um because they've been doing similar stuff with the folks that are writing story for magic the gathering mm-hmm. where like if if you want people to care about the characters in the thing then they need to exist in their world as if it's a real yeah. world for them. Yeah. What I really like about this movie is you have all the actors doing their, I think, actual accents. Mm. It's not important that some of them are American and some of them are English and some of them are, I think, from other places. Like, it's not important. Who cares? So they don't address it at all. And I love that. Yeah. Because it's just a fantasy. That, like like Jeff was saying about uh, creating a, a world that feels real, or whoever was saying it, doesn't matter. Um... <laughs> That kind of thing really lends itself to believing. One of the things that I think is such a failure of the Star Wars movies, which I think are overall fine, Mm -hmm. is that they have, like, an accent for each planet. Oh, right, yeah. (laughs) And it's like, that's not how the world is, though. That's not how any sentient life evolves. And I, I like the idea that you're like, I wonder why people from... Neverwinter do sound like they're from the north of England. What is it about? Like, you know what I mean? That's that's interesting. Yeah. And I like that uh, they pepper in references to D&D, but it doesn't feel like fan service. It just feels like this is their world. So when someone's mm-hmm. like, oh, you know, a nobleman from Baldur's Gate and from, uh, uh, I can't remember, Faerun, they're, they're coming to this uh, big event. And it's like, that's fine. You've given me enough context by saying that they're noblemen and they're important to know that the places they're from are supposed to be important, I don't have to actually know those places. It's great. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I, um, there's, like, one part where it seems like it could be explicitly, like, maybe this is a kind of sly, tongue-in-cheek reference, but it's so mm-hmm. plausibly deniable that I'm not certain <laughs> it was. Yeah, that okay. long sequence where they play frisbee with the wizard tensor... <laughs> It yeah. seems like a... Mm-hmm. Oh, God. Get it? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. I also like that, you know, in D&D fashion, you have people with all different skill sets um, who would fit all different um, jobs uh, come together to do this thing together. And I really like that they didn't waste a lot of time on anyone's backstory, but 
They all seem like interesting enough characters that I could totally see people choosing to play any one of them. Hmm. And I feel like a lot of fantasy movies are like, here's an elf and here's a dwarf and all that. Like, oh, we're, we're gathering together. But they make it so you don't give a shit about any of the background characters. It's only the main person you really care about. Mm-hmm. But this time I'm like, yeah, I would totally want to play any of these. So that's uh, very good. I can describe each of the characters in like two lines too. Like I remember them yeah. well enough and they're like basic hook. Mm-hmm. That, like that feels rare for a movie. And yeah. it feels like the way that you make characters in Dungeons exactly. and Dragons where you're yeah. like, okay, I guess I want to play a, a druid that turns into an owlbear. And that's like all you've got at the beginning. And then as the game goes on, you make up more stuff. Yeah. Like, and- oh yeah, my guy's a... a- a sorcerer, but like he's uh, not actually good at it and lacks confidence, so he just uses wild magic all the time. <laughs> yeah, there's a character, this isn't a spoiler, because they announce this right away, and that's all you get, so like that's their full backstory. They are a tiefling, but they were born to humans. Mm-hmm. And so they were cast out by humans, so they, you know, found their own path. And I didn't know that was part of d and I looked it up, it is. But like, just the idea that there doesn't have to be some complicated demon backstory, it can just be they were just born as a demon to humans, so they left human society. That's great. Yep. Yep. Ugh. Yeah. And that character is wonderful. Just like, oh yeah, I I also, I didn't realize she was a tiefling. They didn't like purple up her skin or anything. Yeah. Uh, it's that, that girl who was in the It movies. Um, mm. Oh, Pennywise. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Pennywise the clown plays a uh, tiefling <laughs> druid. Like the idea like, oh yeah, this is a, a tiefling who like is a elvish resistance fighter environmentalist <laughs> like oh yeah that's fun that's, yeah. that's exactly the type of weird nonsense that you'd see in a dnd game yeah i also like the the um the tropes it didn't fall into i know this is more prevalent now but in this movie different fantasy races of people can be portrayed by people of color like it's not a big deal there can be black elves that sort of thing so mm-hmm. that's great and also, I appreciated, because you don't see this as much, that people like castle guards, some of them are women. Like, mm-hmm. why not? Why not have a muscular woman who's just a castle guard and it's not a big deal mm-hmm. and you don't have to make up some lore about how there's a special brigade of women who can be warriors. Women could just be warriors. That's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Why, do, why not have a professional model Gwendolyn Christie play the ugliest woman in all of uh <laughs> Westeros. I thought she did a great job at that, though. They really made her look average when she's uh, being uh, Bran. Yes, I actually think she's one of the best parts of that series, and <laughs> yet I still am mad about it, because when I read the books, I was like, oh man, this is a great character. And she's like, and then you see her at the Met Gala, and you're like, oh my god, you are like a statue of a goddess brought to life by magic. I mean, they, there's not exactly a, a overwhelming wealth of six foot three ugly women to cast in tv shows you're telling me that there's not a professional bodybuilder woman who would be thrilled to play that character on game of thrones come on matt i'm calling you out you just said you don't want people who are not actors like wrestlers to play in hold auditions cast them based on their acting talent but i bet there are lots of people who would want to play that role yeah fair no it was just gwendolyn christie or elizabeth Elizabeth Debicki, and they had to flip a coin. <laughs> yeah. Um, I also like this movie, It. The movie has... You as like it's... the movie It, yes. Yeah, with Pennywise. With Pennywise. Yes, uh-huh. that's why I love this character. Anyway. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Um, the uh, emotional core of the movie is two friends who, like, set out to do this mission and they, like, gather all these other people to help them do it. They are a man and a woman. They do not mm-hmm. have a romantic relationship and it's never implied that they should. And I think that's great. They are just yep. friends. That's very like, good. Yeah. Some, someone uh, assumes that they are a couple and both of them go like, <laughs> no, yeah. are you stupid? Gross. <laughs> like, not in a like, ooh, will they, won't they type of way, in a way where, like, you actually believe that, no, they wouldn't, they wouldn't mm-hmm. hook up. Yeah. So all that felt great because it felt like a real D&D party where you're not trying to make complicated stories about how the characters are connected to each other because they're all just mm. a bunch of friends who are working together. So, yeah. wonderful. Uh, Matt, I think you'll really like it. Um, I feel like very clearly a few elements in the movie and the fact that it's titled Dungeons and Dragons Honor Among Thieves means they want to make more. And yes, I hope so. Yeah, I hope the this writing team gets to make more. That would be super wonderful. That would be great. Yeah. Yeah. So, Matt, what did you do this week? Um, well, speaking of movies and, uh, reviving franchises that we all love from our childhood, I, well, okay. The thing I'm going to talk about is that I watched the new Peter Pan movie that Disney made. Oh, gosh. I didn't even know there was one. What? Peter and Wendy, right? Yeah, it's called Peter and Wendy. Uh, it's, I think it's just a Disney Plus thing. I don't know if they released it in theaters, but. I thought it was a series um, for some reason. No, it's just a movie. Um... I want to really quick touch on the on two things. One is that I've decided to play the entire Legend of Zelda series in chronological order as in the in-world timeline. Nice. Uh, so I'm playing Skyward Sword right now, and it's very bad. <laughs> it's such a shame because the story is really good and, like, one of the most interesting and important stories in the Zelda timeline but the game is so bad. Is it the yeah. controls? Yes. Okay. It's a hundred percent the controls. To throw a bomb, you need to press a combination of four buttons in different ways. Oh no. To throw one bomb. I hate that. Yeah, it's so bad. And then anyway. on top of that, all of the uh like world design is really dull and tedious. And so ugly. All the people are <laughs> so ugly and weird looking. I just don't get it. Anyway, I'm very excited for once I get past Skyward Sword because there are a lot of like Game Boy ones that I never played that I'm gonna get to play, Spirit like uh, Minish Cap and uh, mm-hmm. no. Well, Spirit Tracks is gonna be bad, but that's fine. <laughs> I also, like I never it, right? finished Twilight Princess before because I didn't like it very much, but maybe there's good stuff in there. So, it's so long. Uh, I'll, I'll I'll keep our audience updated as I play through. Um, but it's I'm excited for this project. Okay. Uh, quick thing number two, this is my obligatory talking about the new set of magic cards that came out. Um, the new set called March of the Machine just came out and I've been playing it and it's pretty good. Is it steampunk? Uh, no, it's so, if, if people will recall the story of magic, the last set was, um, the, the Phyrexians, the, the Borg of the magic universe, have uh, figured out how to travel between planes and started taking over all of the other planes. This set is, unlike most sets which are set on a single plane of reality, this set is all of the heroes from every plane of reality, how they are fighting back against the machines that are trying to take over. (laughs) Um, And what's really fun about it is 
the the people at Hasbro decided that it was more fun to just get really wild with stuff. So like they because they've had multiple sets set on a lot of planes like Innistrad or uh Dominaria, there's a lot of heroic characters in those universes and they were like what if all of those hero characters teamed up to fight against these these uh these Phyrexians? So you get cards that are called like Thalia, who is a uh soldier leader and a religious figure who is like a savior of uh people who have been tortured by the zombies on Innistrad, has teamed up with the Gitrog monster, which is a giant frog that lives in the swamps and eats people. That's fine. <laughs> so it's her it's her riding a giant frog into battle and it kicks ass. <laughs> now I was led to believe that resistance is futile, but you're telling mm. me that these planeswalkers are fighting back. Well, I don't want to get too deep into spoilers for the story, which literally no one except me cares about, but uh the the in the end, the heroes do kind of win, although it has significantly changed the magic universe because almost all of the planeswalkers lost their ability to travel between planes. Um, but they do manage to beat the Phyrexians somehow. And I won't tell you how because it's actually a pretty good story if you want to read it. Yeah, they uh, they ran a mill deck. Exactly. They milled the Phyrexians out of cards. Yep. So Phyrexians they... had to draw at the start of their turn and they couldn't, so they automatically... Yep. Uh, anyway, there's a new set called March of the Machines Aftermath coming out soon that is like all of the old planeswalkers have lost their ability and now they're just people again. So their cards are like like Nyssa, who used to be the, the main green planeswalker, is now just a person. That's that's interesting, I guess. Hmm, Alright. <laughs> okay, just a so, common card. Yeah, that would be pretty upsetting. Nyssa, no, normal she is person. A- she is a mythical legendary creature, but she is no longer a planeswalker. So um, so anyone who has any sort of backstory of magic, if you know what the word planeswalker means, the idea that a person could stop being a planeswalker is a very interesting new concept that has been added in this set. So if, if that interests you, then you should check it out. Nice. Um, but the main thing I want to talk about is Peter Pan and Wendy, this new movie that just came out. Um, so there is, it's interesting because it's sort of being billed as another in the series of live action versions of Disney cartoons, um, where it, it seems like it's the, the trailers make it out to be like, it's just sort of a faithful retelling of the, like, what is it? Sixties Disney cartoon version of Peter Pan. Mm -hmm. Um, and they do have a lot of that, but does some it one of the things that i think is so interesting about the peter pan story is how unsatisfying a lot of piece of it pieces of it are like why do captain hook and peter pan hate each other so much is never really addressed and like there's not really a satisfying conclusion to peter pan's story he just goes off and he's like but i'm gonna keep doing my bullshit (laughs) and like peter pan is so sinister in a lot of ways yeah um, and it's just never explored. And they kind of touch on a lot of that stuff in this movie in a way that is almost very good. Um, and yet the, the biggest problem is that they cast an actor to play Peter Pan and an actor to play Tinkerbell who are so wildly charmless mm. that you don't 
care. I've is it like, people we know, or are they like young actors I probably haven't heard of? The the actress who plays Tinkerbell <laughs> is um, uh, she was on Blackish. I can't remember <laughs> the actress's name, but she plays the eldest daughter on Blackish. Um, and she is she is a pretty good comedic actress on that show, but her strength is that she is a good deadpan comedian mm-hmm. and she's a good foil to Deadpan. anthony edwards what Deadpan. oh yes <laughs> you have to clap um, and uh, believe in fairies <laughs> yeah um and the character of tinkerbell is already an acting challenge because she can't speak mm-hmm. and to then have this be done by a deadpan comedic actress it just you are like is does Tinkerbell care about what's happening in any of these scenes at all? She's just there, and I don't understand why. Um, oh, and so they, now you like Deadpan? Curious. <laughs> no, I don't. I gotcha. I'm complaining about how she's Deadpan. <laughs> um, I find it to be it, the the thing is that you can tell that the director of the movie also knew that this was a problem because you all you constantly have the good actors like the Lost Boys and Wendy off screen being like, "Oh, Peter Pan is really having fun now." <laughs> it's like, "Oh, really? I didn't know because he's not emoting at all." That's it's um, so strange. Um, the director of this movie also made The Green Knight. And Ooh. pretty much exclusively uh, made what? like serious dramas for adults besides the remake of Pete's Dragon. Mm-hmm. Does he only like movies starring green people? Uh-huh. <laughs> it seems like it. Hey, he's a real green um, sicko. I, I get the vibe from watching this movie that it was originally supposed to be a much, much, much darker version of Peter Pan. And then Disney was like, you can't do that. Yeah. Um, because... This story introduces, I don't want to get too deep into it because it it's good and people should watch it, but it introduces the idea that Peter Pan and Captain Hook used to be friends. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, they do it in a way where it's like genuinely disturbing. Okay. Um, Jude Law plays Captain Hook and he does a fantastic job. He'll chew oh. some scenery. Yeah, he does a good job of of alternating between chewing scenery and then he says something and you're like, oh fuck, that's actually a very good point though. <laughs> <laughs> Did you see that uh, 2003 live action Peter Pan? Uh, probably. I've seen most versions of Peter Pan. I'm I actually think that that's one of my favorite like stories that has been retold in a lot of different ways because it has so much stuff to explore. Yeah, Is that the one with um? Jason, Jason Isaacs. Isaacs plays Captain yes. Hook and George Darling. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's the yeah. usual way. Oh, is it? That makes sense. Okay. That's yeah, in the, in the original play, it, the same actor is supposed to play, because it's supposed to be like, look, Captain Hook is represents uh, grow, grown-ups telling kids what to do kind of thing. Yeah. Um, um, it was they do... <laughs> it was not produced by Disney, but like Wikipedia says it was based on the, like partly based on the Disney movie, so I don't know. Yeah, I think a lot of a lot of versions of Peter Pan pull in elements that were created by the Disney movie um, in ways that are not always super successful. I really wanted this movie to be the what this movie isn't that I was hoping it was going to be the whole time is Peter Pan used to be friends with Captain Hook and got bored of him. Mm-hmm. And that's why Captain Hook hates him so much. And that's not what happens, but that is such, that would be such an interesting story of just, like, yeah. what happens to the Lost Boys once Peter Pan stops being interested in them. 
um, and stuff like that. So anyway, I think it's very worth watching. The actress who plays Wendy is great. Uh, obviously, Jude Law is great. Jim Gaffigan plays Smee. He's very good. good casting. <laughs> yeah, everything except for Peter Pan and Tinkerbell. The the casting is fantastic. So I highly recommend it. It's on Disney Plus, um, and it it wants it's so close to being basically a Peter Pan horror movie where you're like, oh my god, he steals children. <laughs> um, and if they had just leaned into that, it would have been one of the best movies I've seen in a long time. Mm-hmm. Next time. We'll get them next time. Get I really, like, I've spent so much time of my life thinking of different ways in which you could do Peter Pan in a way that makes Peter Pan the villain. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why no one has ever done that, because it's so obvious. They tried yeah. to do that for um, <clears throat> for the comic series Fables, but the the rights are complicated in the UK, so they couldn't. Um, I mean, they did do a season of the the very bad TV series Once Upon yeah. a Time, where Peter Pan is the villain, and it's genuinely fantastic. <laughs> Makes a lot of sense, since yep. uh, Once Upon a Time was put into production right after Disney said, no, we don't want to adapt Fable. Wink! <laughs> yeah. Um, so, I I would love for somebody to make a movie of Peter Pan where, like, it's... Because the the original book ends with Wendy, as a grown-up, finding that Peter Pan has started visiting her children. (gasps) And can you imagine that movie where Wendy is, like, setting up shadow traps around the house so that Peter Pan can't get to her children? Ooh, Home Alone Peter Pan crossover. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that's not a terrible idea. Mm -hmm. The two shitty children fighting against each other. (laughs) It's like Kong versus Godzilla. Let them fight. Anyway, what do we do on the show? Oh, good question. So, what we do on this show is we go to the WikiHow Suggested Articles page and enter a random word to see a list of articles people have requested related to that word, and then we give people advice on how to do those things. And today's word is profession. Ooh, we're very we're professional. Getting, yeah, we're getting real, uh, real business-like today. How to professionally clean windows. Do they mean the panes of glass that guard your house from the outdoors? Or do, are they talking about installing Windows 11 onto... The answer is the same for both. You need to buy a really good squeeze. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. On a long pole. This is the mistake that a lot of people make, is you get too short a handle and then you can't get some of them. Yeah, yeah. You'll, zap your, you'll zap yourself if you're too close while you're squeezing the hard drive. <laughs> That's true. Oh boy, I do. A love lot of these are see, like how to. Oh. I do love to see someone professionally cleaning windows with that squeegee, though. Know, like just getting it perfect in one swipe. Ugh. Oh, that's good. It's annoying that it seems like what they're doing should be easy, but it takes me yeah. so much longer than them yes. somehow. <laughs> Agreed. Um, a lot of these are like how to professionally repair chipped paint, how to professionally paint it. Blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. I don't think these people know what professionally means because the answer is pay someone to do it. Yeah. <laughs> right? You have Practice to at this have for that many, be many your hours. profession. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Is the answer, is the question, how do I get into the profession of painting cars? Because I guess apply for that job at an auto body store? God, now, that's so hard. Why would you want to try to wiki how your way into professionally painting cars? Ugh. Now, there are... Uh, some people here who just want to seem professional. How to communicate professionally or how to be professional. How to introduce yourself. This you feels to... like you're running a scam. You just want to seem like you're a professional, but you're actually an amateur. 
Yeah, well, the secret is you can get business cards printed for free from certain <gasps> websites, so that's your first step. Business certain cards. websites? You have Here's, to, it's an I'm onion gonna... link that you have to open in Tor browser. <laughs> I'm going to... I'm going to pitch something here. You guys tell me if this is anything. Would it make you seem more professional if you on- you only spoke in another language and had somebody there to translate for you? Yes, because mm. it would make all your words seem much more measured. Depends on the yes. other language. That's true. I guess if you roll up and you're speaking like, I don't know, No, nope, you can't do it. <laughs> okay, I was it's less, say- <laughs> It seems less professional than if you're like speaking Japanese or whatever. Yeah, if you... If you- uh, are American, the cultural associations that Americans have with other countries will matter a lot. Mm-hmm. French yeah, French people fair. are dilettantes, according to the popular consciousness, but if you're speaking German or Russian, they're going to be like, oh, this is a serious guy. Now, if you walked up to somebody and you were like, bonjour, je m'appelle Matt, and then you had somebody roll in, and instead of translating for you, they were like, no, 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 this businessman isn't French, he's American. They're just a <laughs> hype know, like man, this. kind of. No, like those commercials, yeah. remember? Oh, yeah. yeah, these, these children <laughs> These are, little girls yeah. aren't French, they're American. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I like it. Somebody's got to be impressed by that, I'm sure. Right? I mean, I is it just the is it the the fact that you can pay somebody else to follow you around all the time that makes you seem professional in that scenario? Or that you've managed to coerce them into doing your bidding without paying them, which is a profession. Is it? I mean, it's certainly more impressive, but I don't know that it's more professional. No, I yeah, think ha- you're only paying them in college credit. I think it's having very si- professional. Oh, that, having yeah, that's professional. <laughs> having sycophants or interns does make you seem more professional. Yeah. Mm, that's true. Not both, though. Mm-hmm. That's so messy. Don't have both. Well, because interns don't give a shit. They're not going to be sycophantic to you. They aren't getting yeah, paid. The sycophants are going to see how little the interns care, and they're going to move on. Mm-hmm. They're going to go become... You can't lose your sycophants. That's the worst thing you can do. They become like Rihanna stands or something. <laughs> ETS. They'll migrate to a bigger celebrity mm-hmm. who will uh, appreciate them. Exactly. They won't. No, they'll <laughs> migrate to a celebrity who will appreciate them less. Yes, exactly. That's a what more people emotionally really distant celebrity. Uh, how to professionally wrestle? Now, is this asking how do you engage in the entertainment sport that we call professional wrestling, or how do you engage in the actual sport of wrestling as your profession? Here, this I need to know now that you've brought this up. Does anyone do that? Is there a sport? Adult professional wrestling. It's in the Olympics. I've, there must be. The, but Olympics is for amateurs specifically. Yeah. But like, no, there's no sport in the Olympics where like you can get to that level without there being an option for you to like do it for money, right? Uh, ping pong. No, there's definitely like ping pong leagues, right? No, there's not. I mean, there's not professional ping pong leagues. Yeah. The people who play ping pong, this this is a real thing. They wrote a big article about it. The people who play ping pong at the, the Olympics, at the Olympic level, all need to have day jobs and sponsorships so that they can take time off of their day jobs to go and play in the Olympics. Interesting. Yeah, it's a real fucked up system where basically you can only compete in the Olympics if you can do your thing full time, but you're through the rules of the Olympics. You're not allowed to be doing that for money yeah yeah it's like the the canadian football league how they're all just firefighters because that's the only job where you get paid to keep your body in shape yeah they're all firefighters because they need the money from the sexy calendars (laughs) 
mm-hmm. in order to fund their sick football perversion. <laughs> yep. Speaking of which, seventy-five there's yards. Another, there's another angle here. for professionally wrestling, which is you want to get into a wrestling match with your friend sexually. But you want them to think that, no, you're totally being professional about it. So how do you seem professional when you start to wrestle somebody? But it doesn't say seem professional. It says how to professionally wrestle, which makes me think this person is already wrestling. Mm -hmm. And they're like, I could be doing this more professionally. Like, (laughs) I need to be wearing a suit while I'm doing this. Oh, yeah. People totally know that I'm trying to get with them. (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. If anyone (laughs) embodies both meanings of professional in professional (laughs) wrestling, it's Vince McMahon. He always wears a suit when he wrestles. Uh His character and real-life job is the uh, evil boss of wrestling. (laughs) Yep. (sighs) The word It bums me out that he... Now that I keep looking at it. Yes. It bums me out that he has become an internet meme because he's so terrible. Mm-hmm. I, like, if you like wrestling, you shouldn't be allowed to like Vince McMahon. You know what I, I mean? I don't think anybody genuinely, I like, I think part of the memeiness of him is that he's an idiot and a monster. But here's the problem, is that idiots and monsters don't see the difference between ironic attention and true attention. I guess so. I, I It's the same reason why I think that like I don't know, forty percent of Donald Trump's voter base are people who are like, haha, let me vote for this idiot. Yeah, it's I, I think that Vince McMahon doesn't have that problem because he uh doesn't want any more attention than the small field that he has a lot of attention in. Mm, mm. I don't know if I agree. I mean as, he, to as it run for popular. office. First of all, I think he has, although I don't remember any details, so I might be wrong. But second of all, he he could have just been the business guy if he just wanted the money, but he mm. keeps putting himself in front of the camera, too, becoming part of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, like, not to the point where he accidentally becomes president of the United States. I don't know. Well, not yet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, hopefully he'll die before then. He's, like, 75 years old or something. But he's so roided Is up. It- now, before I say yeah, this next thing, I need to be longer. sure. Is there any legal reason why I can't wish for the death of a person on a podcast? He's 77. Uh, I think that if someone prominent uh, heard it and got mad at you, they could do a cancel at you. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, but I don't think legality matters. It's not, there would be nothing. Yeah. All right. Well, then I'm just going to leave it there and the audience can surmise what I was going to say. Yes. yes. <sighs> I mean, I will say this. He's not the person I most wish would die. How about that? <laughs> yeah. You know, he's probably not even in my top 10. <laughs> yeah, you're probably right. He's probably, I mean, the thing is, if I cared more about wrestling, he would be higher on my list, but I don't. So it's fine. He is pretty high on the list of people, uh, who would be better off dead, whose catchphrase was, you're fired. Mm. He's, like, second on that list. Yeah, he's still not top of even that (laughs) very qualified list, though, huh? Dumb. (laughs) I was checking his age, and one of the things that caught my eye was that his catchphrase in the 90s was, you're fired. (laughs) Who is the number one person who you wish would die whose catchphrase was, got any cheese? Uh, I mean, I do Charles wish... Manson. <laughs> I do wish the character of Steve Urkel would die. Yes. Not, and I want to stress Yeah, no, this. Julia White is a delight, yeah, actually. Not I was just making More a like joke Julia about Julia Delight. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> Chili dogs. Mm-hmm. 
That's no good, Sonic says. Mm-hmm. He... Gotta get fast. He would he do PSAs stuff. at the end. One of my he most did... things I want most uh, of memorabilia is an original animation cell of Tails smoking a cigarette from one of those <laughs> PSAs. Yeah. But I don't think I'll ever get it. I was looking and it looked like one like username had bought all of them. Oh, man. Did This was my question. Did Tails ever get a catchphrase? That poor little guy. Way to go, Sonic. Mm. That sucks. I'm worried about that one, Sonic. <laughs> I enjoy the cool menthol uh, smoke of these cigarettes. Mm-hmm. Did you order more of the water-based lube, Sonic? No! Oh, God. No, no it doesn't have to be that. <laughs> He's an innocent. Come on. How to professionally tune a st- snare drum. Now, is that a thing? They yeah. do have those little mm-hmm. keys all around the sides, implying... I thought that was just to re-tighten them. Is they, I guess they have a tuning? tone. Yeah, they do have a pitch. It's just, you know, it happens very briefly. Yeah. Yeah. If you tap your drumstick onto the drum and it makes a pleasant sound, you need to tune it much tighter for a snare mm. drum. If you tap... Now, Louisa, I feel like you saying that, especially without me and Jeff interrupting you, which is a miracle, mm-hmm. is just begging for a, like, a techno remix of you saying that sentence over a, a very cool beat. Yeah, someone please get on that. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, if you, if you tap a snare drum with your drumstick and it does, and it makes a sound and no one's there, does mm-hmm. it? Mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Got that one out? Perfectly. No notes. <laughs> <laughs> and how do you know, how do you know when to drop the beat. Sorry, I just wanted to say that part so that I could be in the techno song as well, <laughs> yeah. since we all had said it a little bit. I hope be that they to it. incorporate that false start. We say, and how, yeah. do you, how do you know when? Yes! Drop. And then the beat drops and everyone goes crazy. <laughs> yep. <laughs> do you think anyone who listens to our podcast has ever heard a, like, a electro electronica song? God, have so. have you? <laughs> <laughs> no, I haven't. I don't even know the name of it. I almost called it an electro song. That's not a thing. Uh, uh, yeah, probably. Still around? We got a lot of nerds out there who listen to who listen to dance no music or whatever. Dubstep. I anymore, guess. But I, still I hear guess that Skrillex music. was a nerd, huh? Yes, of course he was. Look at his yeah. glasses and his greasy hair. Exactly. Dubs- Dubstep I'll... is just techno reggae for white people. Yeah. It's almost certain that uh, uh, Dead Mouse is a nerd under that helmet, right? Oh yeah, definitely. Or he's got a really screwed up face. Mm-hmm. Why Def- did Def Punk wear those nerds. helmets? Yeah, they're definitely nerds, and they're also like sixty years old. I bet that's yeah. their thing, isn't it? Oh, definitely. Well, they've been famous for almost thirty years now. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Both of them have to wear the helmets. I want to hide one of them big... to be Barry Gibb. Is that possible? <laughs> yeah, no, what's he doing I've... now? Is he the rest French? Of his band died. Um, I could we okay? Hold on, no, stop, Jack. Yes, could we p- pitch a world in which Daft Punk is Barry Gibb and um, um, Simon Garfunkel? No, not Simon. What is his first name? All. Art Garfunkel. Art Garfunkel. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, I I dismiss that complicated lore. I wanted to propose that <laughs> Dead Mouse and Daft Punk wear the helmets to hide their large buck teeth, acne, and broken eyeglasses. Because oh, of how they're as... such big nerds. But that's such a less funny joke, you see. Yeah, but it's also less complicated, and... That's true. <laughs> I'm dumb. <laughs> what if Daft Punk were Steve Urkel and Steve Urkel? Mm, Stefan Urkel. Yes, thank you. 
Yeah. What if there should which be ones, there should be a third one who's not a nerd or hot? There's one who's a robot, but is a per- oh, yeah, it was a robot. There should be a fourth mm-hmm. one who's not a nerd, a robot, <laughs> or a hot guy, but is like a professional version. Oh, like he has a lot of attitude, and he could be called Raphael. <laughs> Oh man, I love the idea of forming Ninja Turtles just out of Urkels. <laughs> yeah, no, listen, Donatello is Steven Ur- Steve Urkel, uh-huh. uh, Leonardo, no, Michelangelo is Stefan Urkel, mm-hmm. uh, Leonardo is the robot Urkel, yep. okay. and and Raphael is uh, cool but rude. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I want there to be one who's a serious business professional, and his name is like mm. Stephen James Urkel. Hmm. That might be just Jaleel White. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It would be Jaleel White not doing a handsome guy voice or a nerd voice, but mm-hmm. wearing a suit. Like, hello, I'm actor Jaleel White, and I'm here to audition for this role. <laughs> I'm Sonic the Hedgehog, he says. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, he became Sonic after because of the popularity of Urkel. You remember how good Jaleel White was on Psych when he yes! was a member of the uh, barbershop quartet that uh, Gus was a member of in college? With Keenan Thompson, and I forget who the third friend was. Yeah, I don't remember who that other guy was either, but that, those were good episodes. It's a shame. I, did, we, did we as a society make a mistake in not yes. making Jaleel oh, White a yes. huge star? Yes. I mean, he was a pretty huge star. He was like... No, no. Steve Urkel was a huge star. <laughs> okay, I hear what you're saying. And then yes. Jaleel White basically didn't have a career after playing Urkel because of over Urkel, like Urkel oversaturization. Mm. And we also missed out on having Reginald Val Johnson as a bigger actor because of that, I feel I like. I mean, he was a pretty big guy. Husky, I would say. Well, <laughs> but he, he was, he could have been in more things. Oh, I see. He could have been a, what if they'd replaced the rest of the Ghostbusters with that police officer? He <laughs> just shoot so all the just, guns. <laughs> it's just Ernie Hudson and uh, Reginald Val Johnson oh, as no. the, the new Ghostbusters. But then, but then he's confronted by the ghost of the kitty shot. Mmm, now this is a good movie! (laughs) (laughs) This is the emotional core of our terrible two-person remake of Ghostbusters. Honestly, here's the thing. Uh, It wouldn't be the worst Ghostbusters movie to come out in the last decade. It wouldn't wouldn't be the second worst. (laughs) Or third? I don't know. Anyway, (laughs) Reginald Bell Johnson is still alive. He was just in a commercial for... Oh yeah, he's your your TV dad. I've seen those commercials. They're pretty good, actually, for commercials. Yeah, Uh, Um, progressive insurance is is good at commercials. What I'm saying is, is okay. I'm sorry. No, No, hold on. There's still time for a Jaleel White comeback and huge Mm. career. Is what I'm saying. And Reginald Val Johnson. Okay, now I can still say my thing, which is. Uh, this feels like a fever dream, so I just need you guys to check me on this. Okay. Is there a commercial right now where um, Zach Braff and um, Donald Faison uh, sing Summer Lovin' to John Travolta? Yes. <laughs> I what seen the it. fuck is happening on television right now? <laughs> I think I might have seen Why that in that a, a movie theater. Huh. Well, like, I don't understand... It's it like they just they'll they'll roll commercials and stuff before the trailers. What's it a commercial? Yeah, for? no, I get that part. I, that's not the confusing part of this. Oh, I thought she said what was it before? Oh, no. oh okay. It's for T-Mobile for some oh, reason. Okay, well, fuck that. I yes, yes, fuck that. But what? <laughs> Who? Why? <laughs> like, what is the theme? 
I feel like it's they just like just pitch themselves to commercial enterprises by saying yes. we'll be in a commercial together. So I I completely get Zach Braff and Donald Faison being in commercials together. That makes so much sense to me. Have it happen for the rest of time. What is the connection to Summer Lovin'? Yeah, and then. What's the con- I mean, I guess that's connected. It's like John Travolta and Summer Loving exists in this circle. Uh-huh. And Donald Faison and Zach Braff exist in this circle. But it's a Venn diagram without any overlap. Is they overlap the Super Bowl? So <sighs> that like, doesn't- most people who know who these things are will see it. Yes, but those that doesn't connect those two circles in any way. Yeah. Have- like, there's not, there's not a reason why I'm like, oh, well, obviously- if Donald Faison and Zach Braff are going to be singing something in a T-Mobile commercial, it should be Summer Lovin'. What? They had to look for who was available. Yeah. <laughs> what? John Travolta's uh, not busy. You're telling me that of all the actors on Earth, the most available was John Travolta? Yeah, he was that like, what, right? in that Road Rage movie last year, and yeah. that's it? That's not the point, though. Call up Justin Long. What's he doing? Uh, he's, he's a PC, so he's rebooting. No, he's a Mac, <sighs> damn it. <laughs> yeah, Sorry, I think of Max as being computers for nerds now, so I reversed it in my head that John Hodgman was the Mac. Yes. Uh, Jaleel White re- mm-hmm. reprised his role as Urkel for the first time in uh, the recent Scooby-Doo cartoon that had weekly guest stars. Weird. Oh. Yeah. That's fine. Fun. It would have been better if he'd reprised his role as Sonic the Hedgehog in that Scooby-Doo cartoon. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. He should have voiced Bad Sonic in uh, Rescue Rangers. Ugly, Ugly Sonic. Ugly Sonic in... Oh, yes. Okay. Now I'm, I'm back on board. Yeah, <laughs> it I... took me way too long to figure out what you were I talking called about. I called him the wrong thing at first. Yes. Uh, yeah, he was... That was good. But... What were we but talking they, about? <laughs> I don't know. Being professional, I guess. <laughs> Yeah, we got so unprofessional with it. Whoops. Yeah. Uh, did they ever do an episode of Psych where Zach Braff and Donald Faison play, uh, like, alternate other uh, sidekick mystery-solving duo? Yeah. That would have been funny. That would have been good. <laughs> I think did... Donald Faison did appear on an episode of Psych. They did have Sarah Chalk in one of the um, uh, movies they made after the show ended. Oh, that's fun. Oh. She was very good. I, like I mean, that's she... barely related, but you know. Did you watch... Louisa, I Matt, I don't think you did, but if you did, you can participate. I think, Louisa, you might have. Did you watch the, like, Lonely Island before they got on SNL online series called The Boo? No. I did, yes. Matt did, and Louisa didn't. Wow, I was wrong. Mm, I apologize yeah. to both of you. Uh, <laughs> because... That was Sarah Chalk was the star yeah, of that, right? Well, she was in, like, two episodes, and then Scrubs mm. started, so she was replaced by a puppet. Um, oh, that's right. Yeah. Yes, I remember this now. It's about Malibu. Yeah, yes. and they film a bunch of scenes in the uh, Scrubs Hospital. That's fun. <laughs> yeah, uh, but the strength of that and the like pilot that they made for MTV got them all hired on SNL to make the only good SNL sketches from that era, the digital shorts. Yes. And since, also. Yep. <laughs> uh, there was... I watched the Met Gala red carpet this past week, mm-hmm. and one of the two hosts of it was a woman who is apparently now on SNL, and she was more confused than I was about what was happening. Mm-hmm. And she was there! <laughs> she was more she confused on... than you were about why she was there. <laughs> yeah, maybe. 
I mean, she seemed like she was having a good time. Also, it seemed like they were so drunk, and they kept saying they weren't drunk, which is what drunk people often say. <laughs> yeah, That's they kept true. saying, I'm not drunk, I'm just Buzz. Give me my keys. Yeah. Did you you guys watch this? Louisa, you watched this? No, I just watched slideshows after of oh. the looks. Okay. Well, I love the idea of there being a person who's hosting the red carpet Met Gala who, like me at home, is like, Wait, who's this? Yeah. What is what does that mean? I don't understand. <laughs> They're a real audience surrogate. Yeah. I still can't believe the the shot of somebody interviewing I don't remember who, Gwendolyn Christie or some lady from uh pink black pink or whatever, and in the background is Doja Cat wearing full like the cat's movie prosthetics mm-hmm. and vaping is incredible. <laughs> I saw the interview with her where she only responded in extremely well performed cat meows. Yes. I like weird. how many headlines for um, articles were like, wow, Doja Cat really embarrassed herself with this crazy interview. And you're like, no. She clearly intended to do that. What do you mean yeah, embarrass like, yourself? She also, was doing that on purpose. The interviewer think... knew. The interviewer like said <laughs> and provide as much detail as possible after one of the questions. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. And then when that same interviewer interviewed um, Little Nas X later, he also <laughs> meowed yes. for a little while. And she was like, I can't do this again. <laughs> oh, so good. Oh, very funny. Also, like... I don't think it's possible for anyone, including Doja Cat, to embarrass Doja Cat because whatever she's doing is so removed from humanity. One of the things that she is, I think, famous for is that she was in some kind of Discord for racists posting feet pics. And people people tried to cancel her over this. It was like before she was famous that she... Uh, did this and like she was just not embarrassed about it and so it didn't affect her <laughs> mm-hmm. it's weird that's what i'm saying i don't think she's capable of embarrassment yeah what's the phrase the, there's like a phrase for it like she's in the racial chat posting feet pics what? Yeah, there's a phrase <laughs> i don't know what you're about saying is this like is this like if you can't stand the heat, get out of the kitchen? Like there's an idiom of she. Oh man, today you know, guys, I'm really dragging today. I'm really in a racist Discord posting feet pics. <laughs> I just can't get out of it. The the tweet is she in racial chat rooms showing feet three exclamation points. Hmm. Uh, about like when the story blew up, someone posted this. Well, I've never heard this before, so thank you, I guess, for bringing yep. this to my attention. Yep, you're welcome. I barely know who she is. If she has music, I don't know it. If she does something else, I don't know about it. She has a couple songs that are fine. She's a okay. musician and is pretty good at rapping. Okay. Yeah. I like, um, what is that one song that I like? Woman? Women? Woman? Let me be your woman? That sounds familiar. <laughs> I Could she... Never Be Your Woman by White Town from the 90s. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, she did that song from the Elvis movie that was uh, sampling Loose White Shoes. Hmm. Oh. I must that have heard that because I did see that hit. movie. Yeah. Okay. Probably played over the credits, if I had to guess. Mm-hmm. I didn't see and that. It's movie. like, it's like, Venom, Venom, come on and get him. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Oh my there's. God. I want. <laughs> I want there to be more movies that end with a rap about the movie over, yes! like, over the credits. Yeah, talk to Demi uh, and Yeah, but like the I Venom one, wasn't it? When he, 
the fact that he did I, this just sparked a memory of mine of such delight when Demi recorded Will Smith rapping over the end credits of the Aladdin live action and then movie. It happened. Yes. <laughs> That was so fucking funny. What a call you shot, too. Comment, but I want the listener to know, Demi Adijuibe writes all these songs, but he often he often uh, presents them to the public showcased as if he's just recording them from somewhere and someone else made them. So this is him yes. and not Will Smith, actually. Well, the thing right. I like about that is the credits to the Aladdin movie do have Will Smith rapping the plot <laughs> of the movie over them. <laughs> Yes. In a remix of uh, Friend Like Me. Oh, no. Yeah. Why? He, Why? like, as soon as they announced it, he was like, swing it for the fences. They'll never do this goofy thing. And then they did it. His joke <laughs> yeah. came true. The thing that's so crazy about it is that his Ooh. version is exactly as good as Will Smith's version. <laughs> like, in terms of production quality, they sound so similar. You know what's funny? Every time something like this happens... It comes up again. I remember that Will Smith got his start, his fucking start, doing mm-hmm. an illegal uh, end credits song for uh, Nightmare, on, Nightmare Elm on Elm Street. Yeah. Yes, the like reason was, the clues are there the whole time. He loves this. Also, the reason he got also, famous is because he had to take a TV show to pay off the like lawsuit from that. <laughs> I uh, was my like radio in my car has the different channels for different decades and i was listening to 80s radio the other day and parents just don't understand came on Mm -hmm. and it is identical to nightmare on my street yeah the 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 lack of variety in will smith's early raps is stunning (laughs) he has to tell a whole story matt he doesn't have time for flourishes Mm-hmm. Well, one fine day, I was hanging out. We were out front with me and Jeff, and just like the basicest rap and the beat. The beats are always fantastic, it's, but he doesn't it's deserve literally, them. Yeah, it's literally one <laughs> step away from my name's Will Smith, and I'm here to say like mm-hmm. that is the level of weirdly bad it is. But it's shocking. Also, that like '70s golden age style of rap. He kind of is pretty good at it, though. Yeah, he definitely is. <laughs> like, he's he's the one of the best to do it at the hippie, hippie, hippie to the hop. Kind of like very early recorded rap that is a little bad by today's standards. I'm really hoping yep. he eventually stops trying to be a serious actor someday and just starts making children's rap albums, because that's where his uh, real uh, talent yeah. lies, I feel Bragging, like. bragging yep. about how he doesn't smoke or swear. Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, he's our generation's Raffi, if you think about it. <laughs> and finally, how to professionally string lights on a Christmas tree. Uh, That's not a thing. You have to do it like the cartoons. You spin the tree really fast and you hold yeah. out the string of lights and it attaches all the way around. Well, there are definitely people who have to do that professionally, though, right? Because there's like big they can't, Christmas displays That can't be their only job, though. They've got to be like a window dresser for Macy's or whatever, and then they get hired by the White House yeah. to do a Christmas tree. One day a year they get say, called to the big leagues. In fact, say, they can't having, do it professionally, or they're not allowed to design the White House yeah. lights. <laughs> having strung lights on Christmas trees for store window displays, I will say a big uh, uh, clue on how to do it right is Find the midpoint of your string of lights, and when you start stringing those lights on the tree, if you're not halfway down the tree by the midpoint of your string of lights, you need to start over before you get all the way down and realize you don't have enough lights. 
You need to start from the middle of the tree and work out, like, kerning. <laughs> uh, I mean, you could, I guess. That seems very complicated. <clears throat> it is a way to get an even dispersal across your tree. That was started as a joke, but I actually think it's a good idea. Another good idea is have them turned on while you're putting them on the tree, so you can actually see where the lights are going to be lit up. Mm-hmm. And if one of the bulbs is missing, stick your finger in there to see if it still gets an electrical charge. Mm, so spicy. Make sure someone's nearby to uh, take a photograph of your skeleton when it shows when mm-hmm. you do that. This is also a cheap way to get an x-ray. Yeah. <laughs> if they've got a high definition enough camera, then it just counts as an x-ray. Exactly. <clears throat> oh, I apologize. Uh, the lawsuit for Nightmare on My Street was settled out of court. Will Smith just yeah, didn't pay say. taxes. That's why he had to do Fresh Prince yeah. of Bel-Air. <laughs> well, I was going to say, I, I didn't want to get into it, but since we are in it, he has such a perfect life for a biopic because what happened is the people who own Nightmare on Elm Street said, you can't do this, you have to take this song down. And they did. And they're, then they're like, but that song was so good. We actually want to give you a contract. Will yeah. Smith and DJ Jazzy Jeff. Like, that's yeah. a fucking movie turn of events. Yeah, they... You just have... You have the... You have um, Wes Craven sitting in a courtroom while Will Smith <laughs> is being uh, arrested or being uh, prosecuted, and he holds up his phone. He's, like, talking to the person scoring his new movie, and he's like, hey, you know that sound you're looking for? Listen to this. See, this is the problem with the Weird Al movie. It was so good as a fake documentary that I want all biopics to be like that now just funny and good with none Uh, of the boring details i agree i mean honestly weird al is such a genius because he realized that even though people wanted to watch a biopic of his life no one actually cared about the actual details of his life his life is his life was like kind of boring and wholesome yeah yeah just normal he's just a normal guy he doesn't drink or smoke or do drugs or eat meat yeah and he's been vegan for like 30 years he's so normal that the fact that he's called weird al is the weirdest thing about him Mm -hmm. it's true really makes you think oh that movie is great maybe i'll watch it again sometime Mm -hmm. he looks so fucking good for 63 it's obscene he's 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 been famous since like my parents were in middle school. <laughs> mm-hmm. It seems weird that he would not be like in his seventies. Graham Clark has a, a thing that a joke about this, where he said that in elementary school, he and a friend of his bet on which band would be would still be successful ten years later. Weird Al or like I don't know, In Excess or something, yeah. <laughs> and like. It's still true 40 years later that Weird Al is still a successful musician. Yeah, he's outlived oh, so good. many of the people that he's parodied, so. Yes, sometimes literally, yes. Yeah, that's what I mean. I meant literally. Mm. Uh, anyway, was, we're end- we were ending. You uh, what did we do on this podcast? <laughs> well, oh, no. yes. What did you do this week? No! Ah! We're stuck! Ah, we're, we're going backwards in time, just like the plot of the Legend of Zelda game Skyward Sword. Uh. Wait, anyway. they go backwards in time, even though it's the first one chronologically? No. Well, that's the whole thing oh, of it, Louisa. No, I don't no. want to get too deep okay. into it, but the reason that the Zelda series exists at all is because in Skyward Sword, the goddess breaks the rules to allow Link to travel back in time to stop the demon demise from taking over the world, but that traps him in a time loop oh, no. where he is then going to... Con- <sighs> it, 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 endlessly reincarnate throughout all of history. I hate it. Yeah. 
It's pretty good. It's a pretty good explanation <laughs> for why this game series exists. It also makes uh, Breath of the Wild's like Princess Zelda plot even more heartbreaking because, like, mm-hmm. you know, the reason that she can't succeed is because she was cursed by a demon. Like, mm-hmm. completely out of her hands, ten million years ago, her ancestor was cursed by a demon. We can't talk mm-hmm. about Legend of Zelda today, because we're going to talk about it so much next week. Yeah, that's true. It's going to be next week <laughs> can and the we, week after. <laughs> can we all agree that next week we're just not going to do a wiki yes. how and yes. just talk about Legend of Zelda yes! the whole time? Mm-hmm. Okay, you got you heard it here first, folks. <laughs> next week is our Legend of Zelda special. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna I'm gonna rig the random word generator to be the word Zelda, and then that's all we'll talk Perfect. about. How to It'll Zelda? Be Zelda Fitzgerald yep. and her terrible addictions. Hey, that would be fun too. <laughs> she is more talented than her husband. There, I said it. Got him. F. Scott Fitzgerald is boring. Take that. All right, thanks everyone for listening to the show. If you liked it, please rate and review us on your podcatcher of choice, and please tell a friend about the show this week so that they can tune in next week and hear our hot takes on Zelda. Um, if you want to get in touch with us, you can find us on Twitter at HackTheNetPod, or you can uh, talk to us on our Discord, where we will happily chat with you directly. You just need to send a message to us on Mastodon at MattHeron at Mastodon.online is where you can find me. I cannot be found, but if you want to go to WeaponizedLanguage.com, I have podcasts. If you want to try to deduce it, piece together the clues <laughs> yeah. of where Jeff is. You could, have, you could have saved her. I gave you all the podcast clues. Mm-hmm. Yep. And you don't need clues for me because you can go directly to Louisa at Mastodon.xyz to talk to me. I forgot the Mr. Police part. That's the funny part of that poster for the snowman. That picture of a snowman is pretty funny, though. It looks like a frog. That's true. Ah, man. I I haven't seen that movie because it is unfinished, and I hear it's not funny how bad it is, but... (laughs) Anyway. Thanks, everyone, for listening to the show. Goodbye! Please come back next week. But in the meantime, don't forget to keep your pockets on Shrek. I don't know if people are into it. I'm the best around. Got any cheese? <laughs> Damn, we forgot to do it. <laughs> we cut him too because he has so many catchphrases. Yeah, because you didn't remind me, Matt. You're fired. <laughs> okay, bye. <laughs> Chili dogs. That's what I've been trying to do for so long. Gotta go fast. Yep. All right, Ugh. I'm stopping my recording. Yep, good plan.